morning, church. You may have a seat. Can you imagine the smile on the Lord's face when he hears his children sing? I sure love worshiping with you this morning. Hey, it's such a thrill to be with you. You know, we're coming up to the end of 2019. We're entering into a new decade. Can you believe it? And for some of us, this decade has been incredible. For some of us, this year has been incredible. And then I know there's some of us in the room who's really looking forward to 2020. Maybe this was a hard year. Maybe this was a year of sorrow. And what we're going to be talking about this morning is that Jesus has given us an invitation. Jesus has given us an invitation to experience his version of joy, to experience true joy to the fullest. Now, I don't know about you, but if Jesus extends an invitation to me to live in fullness of joy, then I want that. You see, he talks about in John 15 that when we abide in him, that his joy can be made full in us. Now, that word abide, this is a word that means to be connected to him in such a way to where we know him so intimately, so personally, and to where he is at home in our life. Isn't that just a beautiful picture where, can you imagine if Jesus walked into your house where he could just be at rest? That's what we want. We want to be so connected to Jesus to where we're on the same page. And he says that by doing this, that we can experience fullness of joy. But what happens when we get to a point in our life and we say, maybe at the end of the year, you look back and you reflect and you just say, man, where did my joy go? What's happened in my heart? Maybe this morning during worship, you're thinking to yourself, I, I, I want to feel something. I, I want to be able to worship and, and just experience this joy, but something, something's wrong in my heart. Maybe lately you've been spending time in God's word and you're feeling like, man, I'm just, I'm not growing the way that I want to. You know, maybe during prayer time, it just kind of feels one-sided. And can I tell you, there's nothing more, I think, scary in the life of a believer when you feel that your joy is gone. And what we're going to look at today is that there are things that we can rejoice in, that we can truly be filled with the joy that Jesus has for us. And that even in the midst of sorrow and in the midst of pain, or when we feel like really maybe there's nothing going on, that our joy can be restored to us. Now, there's a, a particular verse that I sometimes have shared with friends during difficult times, and it's usually a verse where I, I get kind of some pushback, where it's like, what are you talking about? I'll give you an example. One time, I went up to a high school, and I was visiting with a principal, and he was, he was just talking to me, and he was expressing that he was in a lot of pain just with some stuff that happened during the day, and there were some students fighting, and some teachers weren't handling it real well, and I just said, hey, you know, I'll, I'll be praying for you. And don't forget that James chapter 1, verse 2 says, to consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. <clears throat> you know what he said to me? He said, how in the world is that going to help me? Consider it all joy. How am I going to consider this joy? And you know what? In a way, he was right. If we don't know what we're supposed to be joyful in, then it's going to be very difficult to find real joy. So to help you out, I think a way that we can really define joy is this. We can define joy by realizing that real joy is a complete 
satisfaction in who Jesus is and what he has done. A complete and total satisfaction in who Jesus is and what he has done. It's very dangerous for a Christian to not be aware of what we can rejoice in. It's very dangerous whenever we don't have that assurance in our heart that really what we're putting our hope in is real. And today, we get that invitation to look at God's word and to see that there are things that we can rejoice in. Because you see, the thing is, is that happiness we know deep down is rooted in our circumstances. Happiness comes and goes. I'm happy when the cowboys do well. I'm most of the time sad that they don't do well. That's a come and, that's a come and go thing. However, a joy that is real, it is rooted in Jesus. Happiness can come and go because it's a circumstantial thing, whereas joy is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. That stays with us. And so what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to run over to 1 Peter. And I'd like to remind you of some beautiful truths. 1 Peter, if you've got your Bible, that's right before 2 Peter. And for the next minutes, a couple minutes, we're going to be spending time in 1 Peter. And I want to give you a little bit of a background of why this was such an important letter to the church. Um, Peter was writing to a bunch of friends and family members, I'm sure, who were just experiencing tremendous sorrow because they had been chased out of their homes. Peter was addressing people who were basically on the run. People were getting killed because of their love for Jesus, and they were just in such sorrow. They were in such pain, and I could imagine that these people who had given their lives to Christ would be thinking, I thought this was going to be a joyful life. I thought this was going to be something that I could be just excited about. And yet now I'm on the run. People are trying to kill me. And what we see here is that Peter is going to give some beautiful reminders. And friends, it's the same reminders for us today. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, I, I don't know what I can really rejoice in. I don't, I don't know if I have a lot going for me right now. I'm about to show you that you do, my friends. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 begins, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Well, I could really just stop there. This is good enough news, isn't it? But let's continue. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, it's undefiled, and it will not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, and full of glory, 
obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. What a beautiful reminder from Peter. My friends, do we not have some beautiful truths that we can rejoice in today? Think about this. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus, if you know him personally, do you know what that makes you? Born again. You are born again. You are not the same. The old is gone and the new has come. You are a brand new creation in Christ. You are no longer under, under the reign of sin. Sin has no power over you anymore. You're not in darkness anymore. You have been made alive. Think about that for a minute. Does that not cause your heart to just rejoice at the mere thought that you are now his? You're his. Think about this. Not only are you his, if that was all he did for you, if that was it, if he just simply said, you're mine now, you've been forgiven, your destiny is no longer separation from me, that would be enough. But he keeps going. God has given us an inheritance through the Lord Jesus. One day, I'm betting my life on it. One day I will spend eternity with Jesus. That is heaven. Heaven isn't going to be great mountains or waterfalls or laughing and hanging out with friends. Those things might be there, hopefully, but true bliss, true heaven is being with Jesus. That's my definition of heaven, and that's the Word's definition of heaven, and that's what awaits you. Your loving Savior has invited you to spend eternity with Him. Now, if that doesn't cause you to greatly rejoice, I really don't know what will. And here's what's so amazing. Peter he knew his audience. He knew the audience. He knew who was going to be reading this. And he didn't say, hey, I hope it all works out for you guys. The first thing he uses to encourage is, look at these truths. You're born again. You are protected. That's another way of saying you're in God's family. Isn't that a relief? You're in his family. And there's something waiting for you. And Peter says in this, you greatly rejoice. But he doesn't stop there. In verse 8, talks about that even though you haven't seen Jesus, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. My friends, do you know this joy? Do you know this joy of the Lord that is so overwhelming that you can't even find the words? You don't even know how to express your gratitude to him, to show your thanksgiving for what he has done. I want to know this joy. This joy that is so incredible, all I can do is just rejoice. The beautiful thing is that even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of sorrow, everyone in this room can know this joy. Here's the beautiful thing about it. This is a supernatural joy that I'm talking about here. This is a gift from God. You see, Galatians chapter 5 talks about that one of the fruit of the Spirit, of following Jesus, of knowing him, is joy. And what that means is that simply by knowing him, by abiding in him, being connected to him, one of the ways that is evidence of that is that we have joy. And so joy isn't really something that we have to hunt for, really. It's a reality. Joy is something that we can experience to the fullest. It's an invitation from Jesus. And what I love is that you know that the saints who were reading this letter their hearts, even though they knew they were in tremendous danger. 
I'm sure it was a tremendous relief to be reassured and to be made aware of their reality. Friends, this is your reality. If you know Jesus personally, if you have been forgiven, you are born again, and you have an inheritance waiting for you. What a relief. Does that, make, does that not make your heart just abound with saying, Jesus, thank you? Now, here's the deal. I love having a smile on my face and, and being joyful and, and getting as much joy as I can. The beautiful thing about God's word is that it shows us ways that our joy can be made full. And so what I want to do is I want to show you some places in God's word where we can even grow even more in our joy. The first thing I want to show you is in 1 John chapter 1. Are you with me? 1 John. It's a couple, couple chapters after 1 Peter, or a couple books. John's writing to some dear, dear friends. And one of the things that I love about John is that he was such a relational person. John was somebody who really connected with uh, people who were in his church. And we know through history he served a long time in Ephesians, or excuse me, in Ephesus. And one of the things he was so passionate about was making sure that other people were in fellowship with Jesus. He was really careful to make sure that he presented himself in such a way to where he invited people to come into the relationship with the Lord that he had. And so if you're saying, hey, I would love in 2020, I want it to be different. I want some different things to happen. I want my joy to be made full. 2020, I'm going to show you a way. The first one is this. Our joy can be made full by bringing other people into fellowship with Jesus. Do you know this joy? Have you experienced this joy? To me, this is one of the things that keeps me going in my life. I love so much being able to show other people what God's word says and inviting them to have a relationship with him like I do. Look at what John has to say in 1 John chapter 1. We're going to start from the top. He begins, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we've looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we've seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. And what we've seen and heard, we, pro we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And look what he says. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. It is truly a joyous occasion that arises in the heart of someone when you're able to see the light switch come on in somebody's eyes and just in their heart and realize, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm witnessing somebody come to know Jesus. I would encourage you that if you haven't experienced that joy, 2020 is your year, my friend. 2020 is your year. We have an open invitation from God to be people who invite people to know this Jesus that we know. You remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are called to be ambassadors or spokespersons for the Lord Jesus? He's talking about you and me. Isn't that beautiful? We get to be joy sharers. What a thrill. What a thrill. Another way that our joy can grow is found in the book of Psalms chapter 1611. 
You might remember this one. King David's writing. You want to know how your joy can improve, how it can grow? It's by being in the presence of the Lord. That's how we can see our joy grow more and more. David says in verse 11 of Psalm 16, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. I want to know that joy. I think about all the times during the day where I could be spending time in the Lord's presence, and yet I will look for joy in other places. How, how sad. Isn't it easy to look for something that is quick to make us happy, but afterwards we're still feeling that, that emptiness? Can I tell you? The Lord has invited you to spend time in his presence. You realize we're in his presence right now. We're a family gathered together looking at his word. He's with us. And yet it doesn't have to stop here. My friends, you can continue enjoying his presence anytime you want. This was made possible because of the Lord Jesus. That's a reason that we can rejoice. Do you realize that the God of the universe has invited you to enjoy his presence? What an honor. I don't think we could be humble enough. Oh my goodness. You mean you are inviting me? Lord, to know you, to spend time with you, yes, he is. And in his presence is fullness of joy. In 2020, I want to spend the most of my time in his presence. I want to spend more time in 2020 with him than I ever have before. Are you with me? Another way that our joy can grow is found in the book of Philippians. I love this. It's in chapter 2 of Philippians, and if you're familiar with that letter, Paul really, really loved this church of Philippi. He had some really interesting memories. If you remember through our study through the book of Acts, there was a lot of stuff that happened to Philippi. There was some singing at midnight in the jail cell, you know, all these interesting stories. And Paul got really, really close. He got really close to this crew, this family here, this church family in Philippi. But he got wind of something that really troubled him. There was some dissension. There was some fighting here in this church, and it just broke his heart. Friends, you want to know how your joy can grow in 2020? How you can look at a year from now and say, oh my goodness, th that was a different year. It's when we are unified with other believers. Friends, we need to be unified with our friends. If there's anyone in this room who you're thinking, oh my goodness, I, I don't know if I'm on the right terms with them. I don't know if I've been reconciled to them. Then you know, I don't have to tell you, that that's a joy robber. Nothing will rob your joy more than being unreconciled with a fellow brother and sister in Christ. It's devastating. It's devastating. Look at what Paul has to say. Verse 1 of Philippians 2. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and compassion, he says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. And don't 
merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. There's such an overwhelming feeling of joy when you get right with someone, is there not? I would encourage you, if you do not know this joy, when we wrap up, get right with somebody. If you know in your heart, oh my goodness, there's, there's something wrong with a, with a friend or, or maybe a family member, why withhold yourself from experiencing some joy? There's such a relief that comes with reconciliation because that's God's idea. Reconciliation and forgiveness, that's God's idea. He's all about it. Pursue it. Another way that we can grow, I love this, it's pointing other people to the groom. Now I'm going to explain that, and the best way I'm going to do it is in John chapter 3. Here's the context. Our good friend, John the Baptist, he's preaching, he's teaching, he's baptizing, and everyone loves him. Everyone loves John the Baptist. And then this man named Jesus comes on the scene. And all of a sudden, Jesus' disciples start to baptize. And all of a sudden, the crowd starts to leave following John the Baptist, and they start following Jesus. And there are some people who have some issues with that, mainly being John's disciples. And so in verse 26 of John chapter 3, the Bible says that they run up to John, and they say, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you've testified, behold, he's baptizing and all are coming to him. And John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I've been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom we'll call this the best man, who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Look what John says. He says, this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase, but I must decrease. You want to know what brought John tremendous joy? Was Jesus getting all of the attention. That's what brought him joy. There are so many servants in this room, so many people who I watch week in and week out who give and who serve in such a way where they're not seeking attention, where they're not looking for the glory or the applause, and yet we know that because the enemy hates us and he's the father of lies, you know that there are times in your spirit you think thoughts and you go, where'd that come from? Thoughts of, you know, nobody sees what you do. Or so-and-so was doing the exact same thing, and yet they got noticed, they got the applause, and yet nobody notices you. How does that make you feel? And sometimes we start to feel like, oh gosh, like, what, why am I doing this? Like, is anybody seeing? My friends, it is so easy to feel unnoticed. But you know who sees you? The Lord Jesus. And you know what brings him such glory? You know what puts such a smile on his face? It's when you serve and you do it for his glory. And he gets the attention. One of the beautiful things is that he'll have all of eternity to make it up to you if you ever felt slighted. <laughs> Think about it. Your inheritance, don't you know he's going to have such surprises for you, such things and glory waiting for you to just bless you 
And he might say, hey, I remember you did this one time at ACC, and nobody saw you, but I did, and I just, I just loved it. And you're like, Lord, I didn't remember doing that. I pray that that kind of thing happens all the time. How exciting would that be for the Lord to just say, hey, I noticed that, and I loved it. But you know what I don't want? I don't want the approval from my friends or family to take away the blessing that God has for me. And John was very quick to point the attention and to point the praise to the Lord Jesus. He didn't let it get to him and go, well, you know what? I am the second most important person to ever be on the planet. He didn't have that attitude. And he references himself as the best man or the, the friend of the groom. And I think it's really interesting because in the Jewish culture, here's what this meant. The Jewish culture would have huge, big weddings. Y'all like weddings? Are you wedding fans in the room? I love weddings. Weddings are a lot of fun. But what I wouldn't want to be is in charge of a wedding. I was a groom. That's about, that's about the most work I ever want to do. But in biblical days, in Jewish cultures, the best man was like the wedding planner. He sent out the invitations. He would make sure everybody got the food. He would make sure everything was okay and that mama wasn't upset and that daddy wasn't upset. And then the big thing that would happen is that he would personally make sure that the bride and groom got to their destination safely for the honeymoon. That was his job. And then when that was over, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm done. Notice when he mentions, when he hears the voice of the groom, he rejoices. Because what that means is, okay, it's over now. I've done my job. You know what our job is? Our job is, con is to connect the bride of Christ to the groom. Are you with me? That's our job. Our job is to make sure that we point people to the groom. Nobody goes, did you see that best man? Nobody at a wedding is like, look at that best man. They are just incredible. Whoa! Bring the best man back out. Nobody cares. Nobody thinks that. It's all about the bride and the groom. And that's our job. You want to have fullness of joy? Let's point people to the groom. Finally, and this is one that everyone has to get down to this point and really examine our own heart. When we have a heart that says, I, I do want to be filled with joy, I, I do want to know this joy, then friends, we've got to be willing to live a life of repentance. Psalm 51, David is writing, and he's just coming fresh off of confessing about his murder of a friend and having an affair, the death of a child. He's a heartbroken man. And what we see here is that David wasn't a man that was merely a man who confessed, but he repented. I think a lot of times we feel like if we just confess and say our sins out loud, maybe to a friend, like, that's enough. But my friends, repentance is revealing that we have an attitude of brokenness that says, I want to go about life God's way. I don't want to live and do the things that used to keep me in bondage, the thing that cost Jesus' life. I want to live a life that is quick to repent and quick to follow. Look at what David says, starting in verse 10 of Psalm 51. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He says, don't cast me away from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And sustain me with a willing spirit. 
And then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation, and then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. What a beautiful picture of what happens when we repent. And I know that's, that's a word that sometimes we're like, ooh, repent. Can I tell you? When we are willing to say, Jesus, you are right and I am wrong and I want you to change me. Do you not see what follows that? It's joy, not regret. It's joy. I want this fullness of joy, don't you? I don't want to hold on to sins that are holding me back from knowing Jesus. Fullness of joy is ultimately knowing Jesus. I don't want something that I'm holding on to and saying, no, I won't give it up. I'm unwilling to give it up. I don't want that to keep me from knowing him more closely. Friends, 2020 can be such a beautiful year in our own personal walk, regardless of our surroundings, regardless of the pain, regardless of what happens with our own walk with the Lord Jesus. It can be so joyful if we are willing to let him refine us as it is mentioned in John chapter 15, to cut those branches, those little, those little weeds, to get that out of our life so that way we can look more and more like Jesus. I want that, and I want that for you, and I want that for our church. As I'm reflecting on our joy, I can't help but think, do you ever think that Jesus was joyful? Do you think Jesus was joyful? Well, we know that he was, right? We know that Jesus was joyful, but do you ever think what made him joyful? You know, what, what's something that would fill the heart of the Lord with joy? Do I have something for you that should make us just want to stop and just praise his name for your all eternity? Oh my goodness, it's found in Hebrews chapter 12. My friends, you want to know what causes Jesus to have great joy? It's you. You cause Jesus to have joy. Can you believe it? that you make Jesus have a heart that's filled with joy. Look at this. I'll show, you, I'll show you how. I'll show you why he has a heart filled with joy when he thinks about you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't know of a more beautiful passage that the cross, the cross brought Jesus joy Yes, because you know what the cross meant? The cross meant you being reconciled to God. What a beautiful picture of love. It doesn't get any better. The thing that brings the Father such joy is for you to be reconciled to him. He has given us ways that we can experience this joy. Do you realize this would not be made possible without the cross? Being able to be in his presence being able to bring others into knowing this joy, being born again, it would not be possible without the blood of Jesus and his resurrection.
my friends, if it was so incredible, if it was such a big deal to the Lord to bring you into reconciliation, then I don't know about you, but for 2020, I want this to be the year where I do everything I can to know his joy to the fullest. I want to lay aside everything that will entangle me, everything that trips me up from knowing him, I want to put it to the wayside. Things that we pursue in order to find joy in other places, I want to care less about that. Think about those things in your heart where you're seeking validation and that you're seeking joy in apart from Jesus. You know it's not filling that void. I want the true joy of Jesus. Because it's in those times when I'm suffering, when I'm afraid, when I'm uncertain of what's going to happen, that I actually have something I can stand on. I can stand on true joy. Because that's not something that I can muster in myself, is it? No, this is something that comes by being connected to the Lord Jesus. So as Clint and the band come up, I want, I want to reflect on a couple things with you. I want you to ask yourself, you know, we define that joy really as being completely satisfied in the finished work of Jesus. Are you satisfied are you satisfied at what he has done for you? Think about that. Is there anything else that you would possibly need? This love that's invited for you to partake in, this offer of reconciliation, is there anything else that would satisfy your heart? Also, I want you to think about, are you seeking growth? Are you seeking ways for your joy to abound? For your joy to be so overflowing that all can see it. Because really, that's what we want, right? We want our joy to be seen in such a way to where people can see the joy of Jesus in us. Can they see it? Can others see your joy in the Lord? We know that the, the book of Nehemiah talks about that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Is that getting you through? Is this joy keeping you strong? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for my friends. And I pray that as we reflect on your joy that you've so graciously offered us, I pray that our hearts would want nothing more than to rest in what you've done for us. And that even when we have tears and even when we're brokenhearted, that we can be rest assured and fully aware that, God, you're with us that you didn't desert us, that you haven't abandoned us, that you are with us in pain and you are with us in rejoicing. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here who just is having a difficult time believing that this joy can be theirs, Father, I pray that you would overwhelm their heart in such a way to where they would know it's you, that they would hear your words and that they would trust that joy is not just a dream that it's a reality that we can experience. Father, I thank you that we don't have to wait until heaven to know this joy. But Father, we fully anticipate to one day worship you in person. And until that day, we walk and rest in the living hope that you are alive and that you have made us alive as well. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love. It's your name I pray, amen.